This episode of Rose Unplugged is made possible because of my pillow. So I ask that you go to my pillow, put in promo code ROSE, and you'll get great savings. And listen, I've got I've got it all. I've got the pillows, the bed topper, the dog bed. My dog loves that dog bed. The Giza sheets. And best of all, and Christmas time is right around the corner, right? Those slippers. I love those slippers. They are so comfortable. It's like somebody's hugging my feet and nobody really would want to. But listen, since no one wants to hug my feet, that's why I love my pillow slippers. They do the job. I mean, they are great. They're comfortable and they make a wonderful Christmas gift. I gave it to everyone on my list last year and they were really happy. My pillow, promo code ROSE. This is my fight song. Take back my Unencumbered by political correctness, undeterred in her mission to spread the truth, unafraid to be a true conservative, she's unapologetic, uncompromising, unwavering, and an undeniably powerful voice when we need it most. This is my fight song. This is Rose Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Rose Unplugged. Today is Bradley Thayer. He's the director of China Policy at the Center for Security Policy, and he co-authored the book that's recently been published, Understanding the China Threat. Brad, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate that. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you very much. I read much of what you write, and you were particularly thoughtful um, during this whole time we were watching as this balloon. We were almost in disbelief. Uh, as a nation, that we could have in our skies uh, something like this from China, of all places. I mean, we've been talking about China and the risk that China poses on our security, and yet to watch this Chinese balloon through the United States skies was just really uh, discouraging and upsetting on many levels. What is China up to exactly? If you had to say, in a nutshell, here's what I think this was all about, what was that all about? I think it's about three things. Uh, first, it was an intelligence collection device, right? So it's 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 a hoovering up or or vacuuming up um, intelligence, communications intelligence, and electronic intelligence as it floats uh, over our skies and Canadian skies. Mm-hmm. So there's certainly that element. But more significantly, I see secondly that this is a political warfare operation mm-hmm. uh, directed against us. And the political warfare campaign takes two forms. First, it demonstrates to the American people that the Chinese uh, can attack them uh, directly. So it's not an accident that this balloon is floating over our skies. And not not to subtle messages that that balloon could carry a weapon. Uh, It could carry some type of mechanism to hurt Americans, to kill uh, Americans. And that should be seen also in light of the hypersonic test that the Chinese conducted in 2021 and their fractional orbit bombardment system, which they also conducted in 2021, which shows that the American homeland can be attacked by new Chinese weapons systems. Let me Uh, ask you something, though. If they want us to know that, it's a little surprising to me, only in that usually the enemy doesn't want you to know what they're up to. 
Am I right? I mean, usually that is kept secret. Are they just taunting us? Are they just showing us their power? And and, and is that a really good strategic move by China? I I think it is, because what they're saying is the American homeland is not going to be immune. Mm. And the Chinese have the ability to uh, hurt the United States if, if war were to come. Linked to that also importantly is a global message okay. for all global audiences that the United States is a declining power and the United States does not even have the ability to down a balloon which floats through uh, its airspace. Now, that's important, again, for all global audiences. For our friends like Japan, it's disheartening to see that the United States is not able to down this thing, but nonetheless, in a nonchalant manner, floats through our skies, yeah. almost dancing or waltzing through them. Right. For states that are neutral, of course, China's trying to convey to them that, uh, hey, we're the winning team and you better come over to our side. And then thirdly, for our enemies globally, uh, they look at this as a fill up. They look at this as a, uh, a statement of China's growing military power and of United States impotence. So the balloon had many messages. It certainly was an intelligence collection device, but it's much more significant that it's a political warfare device. And the fact that the Biden administration did not down it mm-hmm. until it had conducted its mission, in essence, <laughs> exactly. uh, is disheartening, I think, to, to, to our friends globally, but also to so many Americans. But let me ask you about that. We supposedly didn't down it because... You know, we didn't know what was inside the balloon, what effect it might have uh, on anyone below the balloon if we did down it over land. Are you buying that? Is there anything significant to that? Okay, interesting. Not at all. I I think there's one good reason for not downing it, and that would be if the American intelligence community was inside of the balloon. That is monitoring its take. Okay. And then being able to manipulate that or to see. and, And That would be one good reason for not downing it. But uh, my fear is that um, it was not down because of the political, because of Blinken's, uh, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's uh, uh, trip, which he uh, canceled, um, or for other uh, 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 political purposes. And they they hope to ignore it and not have uh, anyone call attention to this balloon. But of course they were um, found out. And that is key because Brad, that was the next question I had for you. Secretary uh, of state, Anthony, Anthony uh, Blinken, what canceled his trip, but let me suggest this to you. He canceled it only after we Americans discovered the balloon. I understood from some reports that our administration was well aware of the balloon before we were. So he was still planning his trip. He was still planning on making that trip until this became a thing and we were all on to what was happening. Would you agree with that statement? Yes, I I believe that to be true. Yes. I think that's so disingenuous and it concerns me greatly that they knew that this balloon was in our airwaves before we did, and they were still planning to allow him to go on with that trip, Blinken, to to travel to China, knowing that was in our airways. Now, I feel, and I feel the only reason he canceled it is because we were on to it then, because we started recognizing what was happening. Yes, it shows the Biden administration is soft on China. Mm -hmm. They seek to engage it. They're reversing Trump policies. Uh, not fully in rhetoric and not in all leisure, but but the thrust of the administration is to return 
to the time uh, before Trump, which is where we engaged China and uh, everyone was getting rich, but our national security was forfeit. So we're seeing a return to that time, and that really is uh, the Biden administration's instinct uh, to compromise with China, to appease China, and to yield to China, rather than doing what we should do, uh, which is uh, to resist it. Right. And we're being told now that Blinken will travel to China at the earliest opportunity when conditions once again allow. When are the conditions ever going to allow that, and should he? Should he make a trip to China? No, absolutely, absolutely not. There has to be a response to this, and the violation of U.S. sovereignty is not something that the Chinese would tolerate. Exactly. They wouldn't uh, tolerate the violation of their sovereignty. And so there has to be a cost associated with that, and that sh- means that uh, Blinken's trip should be forfeit. Uh, they don't need to see one another in person. There's the phone. Uh, there's obviously... Uh, uh, video chats, many right. way of communicating if uh, if needs must. And so um, the postponement, again, just shows that their instinct, again, is to appease. It is to uh, engage uh, China yeah. and to uh, not recognize the full scope of the threat uh, that China poses uh, to the United States as the, balo- uh, the balloon evidence. This could have been a Sputnik moment. This could have been a time, yes. just as in 1957 when Sputnik overflew, obviously, the first uh, artificial satellite. But the Eisenhower administration seized the opportunity to embolden the American people uh, and uh, to address many of our weaknesses, and for example, in science, technology, engineering, uh, mathematics, for example, and languages. Well, this could have been that opportunity. Yes, Biden could have said, hey, you know what? We've got uh, real problems that we need to address. China is a threat. The American society has to respond to this. It has to recognize that China is a threat and respond accordingly. And instead, we have the worst of all worlds, right, where the balloon waltzes through our uh, airspace violates our sovereign territory, and Biden wants to pretend that nothing happened uh, and that there will not be any uh, ramifications uh, for this event. So you could imagine our allies are exasperated. They depend on us for our, our their security, and yet you you see the United the China pokes Uncle Sam in the eye. And there isn't any implicate. There isn't None. any repercussion uh, for that. And I don't so, know that we'll again, see it. Enemies are emboldened. Exactly. I don't know that we'll ever see it with this administration, Brad. I, uh, I've, uh, I, I'm right. I have uh, no. You see- know, it is possible to have a Damazine conversion, right? But they're rare. Uh, it happened once. <laughs> Talk about what that uh, means. Well, that was uh, Paul Saul on the road to Damascus. Oh, okay. Yes. So uh, there was divine yeah. intervention. <laughs> there sure converted. was. Uh, yeah, Paul really had a change rare. of life. They they can occur, but they're rare. I don't think there's going to be a Damazine conversion with the Biden administration. So we're going to have Probably at least not. another two years of this, um, in essence, uh, accommodation uh, of China. And again, China is just going to be emboldened. Our enemies are emboldened by this. And that includes, of course, the Chinese Communist Party. And they'll do what they can to hurt our allies, our partners like India and Taiwan. Um, and they'll work against our interests uh, globally. So it was uh, from the standpoint of our of our position in international politics, uh, this has been a disastrous week. 
And the administration knows it, which is why they they didn't touch on it, obviously, in the State they of Union, not. right? I mean, yeah. it was a, a, a glancing reference. Right. And, uh, you know, and I think that Taiwan, that a lot of this has to do with Taiwan, too. It's it's serving as a warning. Stay away. You know? Of course, that's yeah. it. Right. They can reach the homeland, yep. right? So We've got you. Yeah. We've got you is exactly right. Let me ask you this. Um, they say that the, the spy balloon was carrying explosives to self-detonate. Is that unusual, and is that a possibility? It's certainly a possibility that you would want, um, obviously, your enemy not to get a hold of the the equipment, but also if it went off course or posed a danger to China's own interests, right? Right. You would want a a, a way of uh, detonating um, the uh, uh, the balloon and its payload, uh, so it it wouldn't harm any neutral party or, of course, uh, Chinese in, uh, interests. So, I think. Um, the, uh, the the fact that we collected, of course, is is uh, some consolation, but it's extremely modest. Do you think we'll ever find out exactly what we were able to collect? I think we will absolutely. Okay. Uh, they're going to go through this with a fine tooth comb, okay. and and I, our intelligence uh, community is very good at signals intelligence, and so. Uh, you you might have seen that there was a U-2 aircraft, right, an intelligence surveillance reconnaissance aircraft that was fl- uh, flying above the balloon. Uh, so I think we were looking pretty closely at what it was, what its take was, that is what it was vacuuming up and sending back to um, China uh, through satellite uplinks. Um, so uh, I think, but again, that's small consolation. The, the point is not the intelligence collection. That's a, a mo- more um, modest issue. Right. The political humiliation, the political warfare. Yes. Uh, is the key uh, component there, and that's hurt us uh, significantly. We're talking to Brad Thayer. He's the director of China Policy at the Center for Security Policy, and he's the co-author of the recently published "Understanding the China Threat." Let me ask you this. I, I mean, first of all, you have established, and I think correctly, that this is pretty much a rehearsal as well. We can consider this a rehearsal of a possible future attack or at least the threat of. And, and we don't. And, and, and I'm afraid that we assume in this country, even this our leadership assumes that we have the luxury of just waiting this out or taking our time. And we don't. A confrontation, you know, with China on some level in terms of, you know, you can't get away with this again. Let it be known. I don't think that's going to happen, but we don't have the luxury of time where this is concerned, do we? No, we don't. I mean, the, the Chinese Communist Party has been at war with the United States since it came to power in 1949. We fought two wars with the Communist Party of China in Korea and then again in Vietnam, uh, where the Chinese communists were manning anti-aircraft artillery sites and helping the North Vietnamese immeasurably in the course of uh, that war. Uh, and so they've been at war with us, uh, but we have not uh, with them. And, and now, right. as a result of the growth of their power, it was one thing when China was a trivial uh, component of uh, the global economy. Now it's the second largest economy, at least. Yes. Its military power has gone from uh, very modest to formidable its intelligence capabilities, its science and technology. Chinese scientists and universities are increasingly becoming the best, very good. Space uh, exploration, right? They're competing with the U.S. in space and the exploration of the moon and beyond. So China is here to stay as a formidable power. Um, We have facilitated that. 
we facilitated that through allowing China into um, the Clinton administration, removed um, the linkage between human rights and most favored nation trade status, and then, of course, allowed China into the World Trade Organization, which added gasoline to that fire of China's growth. And so we have seen this tremendous growth, and they have bought off uh, global economic elites, political elites, and universities, among media. Yes. Uh, they're incredibly influential, but but we caused it, uh, in essence. We yeah. facilitated the gro- their growth. And our, and, and our dumbing down, and our dumbing down at the same time. Right. That is that um, I think TikTok is a perfect example yes. of that, where TikTok in China is very martial, right? It, it really is a disciplinarian, and it's telling the kids, in essence, eat your spinach. Basically, right. Whereas right. Uh, TikTok in the United States is, um, Fun. well, you know, it yeah. would make Sodom and Gomorrah blush. <laughs> You know, I got to touch on that because there's a couple of things that this administration should be. You, and you, we touched on this, that it was incumbent upon them to explain to us the actual threat that China poses, not just to the United States, but to the globe, to the entire world. But we could also use this to warn of the technology. And a lot of people have been warning and you just started to touch on that. You know, because their technology, when you consider apps like TikTok, which you just mentioned, and other technologies, it's their information gathering as well. So it's not just that balloon in the sky that was tangible, something you could see, but but our our children, um, their information is being gathered by the Chinese through some of these apps. And this is a great opportunity which I don't think will be seized upon by this administration, but it is a great opportunity to further remind not just the country, but the parents as well, that China poses a real threat. I, I think that's absolutely the case. That uh, On so many apps, it's almost as if you have a Chinese balloon on your phone. Wow, good, well uh, said. And so, um, as well as 5G, as well as Huawei technologies, ZTE technologies, um, there are so many, again, as China uh, moved to secure uh, really the commanding heights of 5G technology and then 6G technology, obviously, artificial intelligence and apps. Um, they've infiltrated, and too, many, too few Americans recognize that as a result of national security laws that China has passed, 2017 and subsequently, any interaction with a Chinese entity that entity is required to share information with the Chinese government. That means the intelligence services okay. by Chinese law. So if you are interacting with a Chinese entity, that could be a, a company, that could be an app, that could be um, an investment, uh, that Chinese entity is required to report on you, uh, to share information about you with the Chinese government. That's their law. Mm. And so I think if you look at it that way, you see that, any interaction with a Chinese entity carries, at a minimum, carries tremendous risk, um, for example, right? Uh, and and uh, it's, uh, again, too few Americans know about that, and that's something to which we would hope um, committees like Mike Gallagher's committee, right, the select committee in, in, uh, in the U- U.S. House of Representatives uh, will be able to uh, call attention uh, to these facts so that Americans can recognize that um, you didn't want to have a balloon floating over your airspace, but you're very happy to have that on your, you know, on your Samsung or your iPhone. Oh, um, well and, said. Uh, without any care. 
uh, about it. You know, I just I the Biden administration, I have no confidence that they will execute any type of measure that will protect us in any of these ways. Uh, And one other thing, I I do want to ask you this, your opinion on what um, the our general Mike Menahan had to say about a call to action. Can you talk about why the the he has a leaked memorandum that from the Air Force and he is the commander of air mobility. He said that he hoped he was wrong, but he believed the United States would be at war with China by 2025. Can you comment on that? Your thoughts? Uh, certainly. It was um, General Minahan is uh, is really a hero in calling attention uh, to it. And, and so uh, General Minahan's responsibility is basically a very important task to move things, to support the logistic aspect uh, of, of all of our uh, essentially uh, global position and, and uh, military uh, commitments around the world. And what General Minahan said was that he sees that we're at a crisis point. Yes. That the Chinese Communist Party have made a decision to seize Taiwan and that was made a couple of years ago. Right. Secondly, Xi Jinping has secured his position as basically a new emperor. Yes, uh, yes. In, uh, in October of, of third uh, the term last, of the 20th Party Congress. Right, and third then term. Thirdly, yeah. He's saying that the U.S. presidential election uh, is going to cause us to be immobilized, to be, if you will, semi paralyzed uh, as a result of our political process domestically. So uh, the chance of aggression by the Chinese Communist Party against Taiwan is is very high. And he was asking his airmen to prepare for that, right, to get their house in order and to prepare for war. Yeah. Uh, and that was a message that should have been made uh, consistently over decades. That's not, but You're the right. fact that he has made it, the fact that it leaked, I think, of course, has consequences, but, but it really helps to galvanize. And then what was rather ironic was that he just generated this message that China's a threat and they are going to aggress, and then the balloon floats over. Oh my goodness! So it really, yeah. it really illuminates uh, the 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 danger that uh, Minahan was observing is is absolutely immediate, as you said. It's right now. It is today uh, that China could attack Taiwan or could attack other U.S. interests. Uh, globally, and th- that is a true. I mean, that that is. Uh, it, it could be immediate. It could be tomorrow morning. It, it's not something that's years off. It's something which is occurring uh, in the uh, in the uh, immediate term. Yeah, and when you say immediate, I think that's significant because um, uh, Admiral Davidson back in 2021 had thought that China would attack Taiwan before 2027. I, I can see all the dates are we're, we're, we're saying, ah, you might be a little sooner now. It just might be sooner. And I, I think that everyone is in a position to feel confident that it would yes. be sooner, w- whether it be China or those who are looking at this and saying, ah, we can see how quickly things are moving along. Um, also, uh, you know, would we I mean, what would we do? What should we do um, about any kind of Chinese aggression uh, towards Taiwan? Well, uh, to my mind, we need to ensure that aggression does not occur, right? It's much more important to deter it. And that means that Taiwan has the military capability to conventionally deter uh, any Chinese attack against that. And the best way to do that is to aid Taiwan uh, and offer it military support now, but also to explicitly come out with a U.S. 
tie. We're not going to do that. We won't do that, will we? Come on, not this, not this guy. No, this is not going to happen. It, uh, it would be extraordinary uh, um, if if it were to happen under Biden administration. But what we need to do is deter it. Uh, any type of Chinese attack. If China does attack, then, of course, the consequences are going to be very dramatic right. and severe in the economic realm and in terms of our standing in global politics. And the fact that our allies are going to look at that and say that is Japan, Australia, partners like India, the budding relationship, again, that we once again have with the Philippines, who are welcoming us back Yes. Uh, after the United States left in 91. Right. Um, they're going to look at this with horror uh, and with a tremendous shock that the United States is, is not credible. It is not a reliable alliance partner. And that has tremendous implications for stability in global politics because we're like Atlas. It's, you know, we have elements that ensure that the stability that we've come to expect uh, in international politics is sustained by U.S. military power. If that is eroded, you're going to see, if you will, a renaissance in warfare, right? Mm. You're going to see a rebirth as we're getting an inkling with Ukraine and Russia. But it's going to be quite dramatic, and our interests are going to be very dramatically affected by that, adversely affected in the homeland. Obviously, again, the Chinese message is Americans are vulnerable, uh, and they're not going to get a pass uh, if war were to come. So... We need to deter this, and that means we need to strengthen Taiwan so that it can defeat any type of Chinese coercive uh, measure directed against it. And that, there's much work to do in that regard, but the Australians and the Japanese have told us they stand with us. But, if we but, will help Taiwan, they will help us, which is very important. If, though, the operative word here is if. If we will help it, it Taiwan. I, you know, it, it, because there is much work to do, as you just said. Do we even have the time? I'm sorry, in the in where this is concerned, China is concerned, and and whether or not we're up to this, I'm I'm a gal who looks at the glass half empty right now, it, particularly here. Normally, it's the other way around, but where China is concerned, and this administration uh, demonstrating any ability whatsoever to to stand up to this, to do what needs to be done right now, to do as uh, with Taiwan to meet those needs of Taiwan as they arise, I don't see it happening. I'm so, I, I am so sorry to sound so negative, but Brad, I, I'm not convinced. I am not convinced we can handle this. Well, I, I agree with you. I'm a, a big fan of the Oswald Spengler quote that optimism is cowardice. Uh, and, uh, you know, you want to look at the world as it actually is. Yeah. And yes. I think your, your attitude is right that um, there's, a tremendous reason for pessimism with the Biden administration. Good things were happening with Trump. And then, of course, we need to keep in mind that Pelosi's visit was a significant U.S. Sec uh, of, of the Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi's visit, if you remember the yeah, autumn I do. of last year. Yes. And then, of course, um, now the Speaker, uh, Kevin McCarthy, is going to go. Okay. Um, and it's a question of that. Those are important developments. And so, the Biden administration, of course, I don't think we're going to see the action that we need to see. But, of course, Congress and, and Kevin McCarthy uh, can aid in this regard uh, as well. So these are measures which are important. But I, I, I share with you, uh, this is immediate. Uh, there has to be a sense of urgency. Yes, yes. And we cannot wait. And you're just not getting that no. uh, from the Biden administration. Never and, mind. you know. 
the arsenal of democracy, whatever the value of Ukraine, and of course individuals can disagree about the strategic value of Ukraine, but Taiwan is a strategic asset uh, economically in terms of its political position as well as the fact that it stood with us historically against the Chinese communists during the Cold War. Um, And um, it is something uh, that we need to uh, protect and defend uh, again immediately. And the Biden administration just isn't going to do it. So, uh, and this is the time, this is that window of opportunity where it's quite likely that China is going to act while Biden is still president. And we move into essentially as Minahan, a general Minahan observed, right? We enter this crisis period. Yes. Yes. Wow, I'll tell you what, uh, we're talking to uh, Brad Thayer, Thayer, and he's the director of China Policy at the Center for Security Policy. He's also the co-author of the recently published uh, Understanding the China Threat, something that I think we should all read and be aware of. And it's so important, you know, even send it to your representatives in Washington, D.C., a copy of it. Brad, I also um, read a lot of what you have to say uh, in Epoch Times. Are there other publications we can look for you? Well, yes, I publish uh, fairly regularly in The Hill. Uh, oh, that's paper. Right. Yes, The Hill. Uh, and uh, The National Interest and, um, oh, American Greatness and from uh, a, a few other places uh, are usually. And if folks want to access my writing, the Center for Security Policy.org okay. uh, is uh, the website where my writings are, are uh, provided. Yeah, you do great work. Thank you for your voice. And uh, let's just hope and pray that many are listening to what you have to say. Thank you very much indeed. It's my pleasure. I appreciate you. This episode of Rose Unplugged is made possible because of MyPillow. And so I ask that if you go to MyPillow, you put in promo code ROSE to get a great discount. They've got dog beds. I've got it. Tucker has a dog bed from MyPillow. Loves that thing. I mean, he just, he, he shoots right for it. When I say bedtime, that's where he goes. My pillows, the Giza sheets, every time I wash them and put them back on the bed, they are as though I never washed them and I just opened up the package. That's how great they are. The items there are well made. And you know what? They're, they are distributed and manufactured by a good guy, Mike Lindell. My pillow, promo code ROSE.